My name is Tamara Gober, and I'd like to personally welcome you to the Hope Community Podcast. Before we begin, if you live in the New York City area and are looking for a church home, I'd like to take this time to invite you to our services. For time and place, check out our website at hopecommunitynyc.com. Again, thanks for listening. We hope you are encouraged by this message, and we truly pray you walk away looking more like Jesus. All right, continuing on with our series that we have right now, uh, going through 1 Corinthians, and uh, our theme word for the entire book is represent. Uh, And what we've been talking about is how do we represent Jesus Christ? How do we represent the church? Uh, How do we represent the gospel to the world around us? Because that is what God has left us here to do. He's left us to represent the Lord. He's left us here to represent um, the gospel to other people around us. And so that's why Paul is writing to this church in the first place. They are, at the very least, to say they're pretty messed up right now. Uh, And so this book is kind of a hard book uh, to go through because if you take this and and you just directly apply it to yourself, it can kind of kick you in the teeth. Uh, the entire time that you're reading it. Um, and so what we're doing is to soften the blow a little bit. We're imagining that Paul's writing this to someone else first. And then uh, we take kind of whatever that uh, theme is from what's being said, and we apply that to ourselves. Uh, because he is writing this to someone else first. These are specific problems to a specific group of people that he is writing to, all right? So we can't take every single thing and say, all right, now we're going to apply that directly to our context today, because he's writing to a completely different context. And so today, we're going to be in chapter 6, and we're going to be looking at verses 1 through through eight. Uh, and if you look at the heading of this, uh, in my Bible, at least it says lawsuits against believers, right? Interesting. So, uh, what we're not going to talk about today is how to sue each other. All right. That's not going to be the point of all of this. All right. But what we are going to see is that Paul is trying to make a point here that they are not treating each other the way that God wants them to treat one another. And it's actually it's showing and it's a bad testimony to all the people around them. And that's kind of been what he's talking about in these first, you know, five chapters also, but he continues on in six. He's like, look, you guys are not representing the gospel. You're not representing God. You're not representing what, what grace is. You're not representing salvation very well to everybody. In fact, your life looks no different than anyone else who's not going to church. Anyone else who is an unbeliever, your life. In fact, if, as we looked at last week, he was like, actually, some things you're doing, even unbelievers think are terrible. So like you're like even the people who remember specialize, uh, he calls them pagans, the people who specialize in immorality and things like that. He's like, they won't even touch some of the stuff that you're doing. So he's like, you guys are being terrible examples for the gospel. Now, what do we do with this? How do we take this? Well, we look into this book and we go, all right, where am I falling short? Where am I not being a good representation of the gospel and not a good representative of, of what God has gone to so many great lengths to show everyone? How am I falling short in these things? So we're going to look at that here in just a minute uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 or chapter 6, 1 through 8. But um, let me just say real quick, I'm going to this, I'm going to go ahead and give you like the main theme for the evening tonight. And uh, it's this, how you treat one another inside and outside of the church shows those outside of the church what you value most. All right. It shows everyone how you treat each other 
And how you treat people outside of the church will reveal what you value the most to everyone that's looking at you, to everyone on the outside. Because don't, you better believe this, all right? We call ourselves the church. We say that, you know, that there's only one way and it's through Jesus Christ and, and there is a God and there's and, and a way to be saved. There is a heaven, there is a hell. Like we, we are saying these things. That means that there's gonna be people who are outside of this whole thing that are going to be staring at you and watching your every single move because you're going to be claiming that you follow God and they're going to be trying to figure out if you really do. Is it real? Is what you believe real? What do you really value? Do you really value God? Do you really value these things or do you really value yourself? That's what people are staring at you and watching you and trying to figure out. So we have a lot of pressure on us as believers, but uh, if we live out through the spirit, then uh, that pressure is a little bit taken off. So here at Hope Community, our main goal and our passion is to love the Lord with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our mind, and all of our strength. That's our goal, right? And then our goal that is equal to that is to love our neighbors as ourselves. So we want to love God, essentially, and we want to love others. That's what our goal is as Hope Community. And I hope, hopefully you guys buy into that. Hopefully you guys can agree, yes, our goal as a church, number one, we want to love God, but number two, we also want to love people as well. That is our goal as a church. And we truly believe that how we treat people, how we treat people, and if you disagree with this, that's fine. I, wanna, I would love to talk with you about it. But we truly believe that how we treat people shows our love for God. We believe that you can see, like we can see your love for God. You can't just, at, at our church, you can't just stand here and go, yes, I love the Lord, right? It can't be your knee-jerk reaction. Do you love God? I love God. Because we need to see it. If you truly love God, then it's going to be visible, right? There was an old DC Talk song called Love is a Verb, right? Anybody remember that song? Yeah, good times, right? So, I mean, and they were, they were dead on. Like, love is something that you do, right? Uh, but here's the thing. We believe that not only we believe that uh, how we treat people shows our love for God, but it also shows to an outside world God's love for us, all right? It shows God's love for us because how we treat others is a byproduct of his love for us. So if I truly believe God loves me, then it's gonna spill over and it's gonna show other people that he loves me so much that I love other people. Because listen to what it says in, in uh, the Bible says in 1 John chapter 4, verse nine, all right? It says this, we love because he first loved us, all right? So what is that scripture saying right there? That scripture is saying that you will be able to tell that I love God by how I love other people. Not only by how, how, what, not only the, my words, but it's actually my actions on things. And the reason that I love other people, all right, the reason I love other people and I want to put them first is because according to that scripture, and it makes so much sense for me, I'm glad somebody wrote it down, is because he first loved me. And so when I realize the gospel and I realize the mercy that's been placed on my own life, it motivates me to live out in love towards other people. Because I'll shoot straight with you guys. When I was, before I was saved, um, I didn't care about people at all. Like, I, I mean, I cared about one person and that was myself. That's the main thing that I cared about was myself. And it showed in my actions. All right. Now I would have told you that I love other people and that I care about other people because that's what you're supposed to say. 
But what do your actions really say? And before I knew Christ, honestly, I can stand here and say I really only cared about myself. Every decision I made was for myself. Even the selfless decisions that I made were about myself. Um, They might have looked good on the outside, but really, honestly, I was trying to get something from it. All right. And so we know that that God's love is shown through how we love other people. All right. But we had a great week this past week. Uh, I'll tell you a little bit about it. Um, Our main goal as a church uh, is for people to experience the love of God, okay? Uh, In New York City, what does that look like, right? How do do we help people experience the love of God um, in New York City? Uh, Well, one thing um, that we can't do that we've learned, not not even really learned, we kind of figured whenever we moved here, is just to walk up to somebody and say, hey, I'm going to be naive enough to think you want to have a conversation about God with me right? I want to tell you about how, God, how much God loves you. Like you can do that. And there might be a person who's like, please tell me about this love, right? But there's going to be a whole lot of people that are like, I don't have time for that. All right. I don't want to hear about it. I've got my own ideas of what that is. And so I don't want to hear about it. So automatically there's a wall that goes up. Okay. Yeah. I want them to hear the gospel. I want them to, um, you know, to be saved, but, I, I, but how, how do we go about doing that? Right. Um, and, and the only thing I can think of is just live out the Christian life. Just live it out. And if we live it out, then they're going to see something in us that hopefully is real. Now, one thing that we did, um, you know, this past week, we had a mission team in. I told you guys there was like 17 people uh, that had come all the way from the great state of Louisiana uh, to be with us and to help us kind of, you know, reach out to our community. So one way that I've learned that, uh, that tears down walls automatically in our city um, is by showing kindness. Just that's it. Just simply that showing kindness. So we do this thing called random acts of kindness, right? And you guys have served with it. You've been a part of it. And it's so awesome to see people's reactions to these random acts of kindness. So like a week ago today, um, we, well, I guess it was because it was going to rain last week. So we moved it to Monday, but on Monday last week, we ended up going out to the park. We ended up grilling like over a hundred hot dogs, we had a bunch of chips. We had a bunch of bottled water. We set up a bunch of games and things like that. And, uh, and we just set out a sign that said, random acts of kindness, free hot dogs. Not just free hot dogs, free Nathan's hot dogs, right? Because that's people's love language. Hot dogs, you don't know where that's coming from. But Nathan's hot dogs, there's something to that. So we go out, spare no expense. <laughs> we go out and buy Nathan's hot dogs. And, uh, and just to watch people come up to the table and go, what? What is this? Oh, it's just random acts of kindness. We're just giving away some stuff. You guys have probably seen their reactions sometimes. They cannot believe it. They're like, wait, no, like what, what is it? Like what are, you, what are you guys doing? Nothing. We're just out here doing random acts of kindness. We believe that there needs to be more kindness in the world. And so we're uh, out here showing just, you know, kindness to people. So I can have a hot dog. You can have a hot dog. Do I owe you anything? You do not owe me anything. Can I give a donation? Keep your money, right? That's kind of what it's like. They just, they just cannot believe it. Uh, and I love it because then people will start a conversation with you and they'll say, well, thank you guys for doing this. Like, I appreciate so much that you guys are out here and that you guys are showing kindness. We need to see more kindness in the world. We hear that all the time. We need to, we need to see more kindness in the world. And even the people who don't want a hot dog, they'll walk by and they will applaud us or they will thank us for being out there, for being nice, for showing kindness. And they're like, we just wish there were more, you know, things like that in the world. 
And, uh, and we get the same reaction every time we do everything. Like, uh, we, you know, so we did the hot dog thing and then it was so awesome because then the following day we were able to, um, what do we do? Tuesday, we picked up trash in the neighborhood and, uh, in this neighborhood right here. And so people had, you know, um, their hope community vests on, we're walking around, we're just picking up trash, man, that speaks volumes to people. There were so many people that would just stop and say, thank you guys for doing this. Like no, nobody's doing this. We really appreciate that you guys care about our neighborhood and that you guys are picking stuff up. We're like, yeah, great. You know, and maybe we get to have some conversations with people about that. Um, and then Wednesday uh, was incredible because Wednesday morning, we got up early, went to Dunkin' Donuts, um, got eight boxes of Joe from Dunkin' Donuts, and uh, and then a, and then five dozen donuts. And then we post at, at at the FNG stop down there. We stopped at we we posted up at every entrance to the subway, every single one of them. We covered every entrance, and we just had a table. There were signs that said "Random Acts of Kindness," "Free Coffee," "Free Donuts." And people were stopping by and it was amazing because all the kids are like, can we please have a donut? And all the parents are like, thank you for having coffee right now. And uh, they would come by and they're just like, we cannot believe that you guys are doing this. Like, what, what, what is this for? Can I pay you? No, you cannot pay us. Like they just, they're floored by everything. And then, and then Wednesday evening, it was so cool um, because we uh, went out to the park and uh, we just threw some 90s songs together and uh, we, we played some 90s songs. And uh, we had like an 18 song set list and we just sat there and played 90s music. We gave, we had like a s'mores station where people came and grilled marshmallows and made s'mores. And uh, we had our game set up and everything. And it was just a really good time. We had a really big crowd and, uh, and people were just hanging out. And again, that sign that was in front of them that just said random acts of kindness. And that's what speaks to people is kindness here. That's what tears down walls. And we had so many people, um, there was one lady that came up to, uh, the s'more station. And she was like, I don't know what it is about today, but earlier today, there were some people giving away coffee in the subway. And, uh, and one of our people were like, yeah, no, that was us. And they were like, what? That was you guys too? Yeah, that was us. We were giving away coffee. And now you guys are giving away s'mores? Yeah. And you're doing this concert? Yeah. That is so nice. Like, what is it about you guys that, that is just so incredibly nice, right? And, uh, and it was so cool because when our team left um, on Thursday, we, uh, you know, we had them get, they all bought like a week worth of subway, you know, rides, but they're not here, but you know, five days. And so they have a couple of days left on their tickets. And so what we say is, Hey, um, try to give out your subway ticket, like to someone, like maybe you're walking and there's somebody that's trying to buy a ticket, you know, at the station and, uh, and just walk up to him and say, Hey, this has got a couple of days left on it. Do you want it? And just see what happens. And, uh, and people were just floored that, that they were being given two whole days of unlimited subway access. And uh, a couple of them couldn't give it away, and so they gave them to me. So I was like, all right. And so Thursday uh, evening, I go down into the subway, and I'm like, I'm going to pass these cards out. Um, and I'm telling you guys, New Yorkers, man, like, like you try to give stuff for free away. They don't, they don't like, it's like you're the plague, you know? I mean, they, they, because I'm telling you, like, everywhere you go, people want something from you, and you guys know that. But I'm down there. I'm like, hey, this has two days. Hey, excuse me, sir. This has two. Excuse me, can I? And I was like, wow, this is what it feels like to be trying to like ask for money or to like, because they all think you want something, right? They all think you want something. Well, there was finally this family that came downstairs and uh, they were on their way to buy a ticket. And I stopped them. It was a lady and her two kids. And, um, and I stopped them. And I said, hey, hold on. Before you buy that, like my friends just left town. 
I have two days worth of unlimited subway rides on this card. Can you use it? And like her eyes started to kind of well up and she looked at me and she said, I don't know who you guys are. First, you give me coffee, you give us donuts, and now you're giving me two days worth of subway rides. She's like, I don't know who you guys are, but I'm really glad you guys live in our city. And, uh, and I'm like, man, that's it. That's it. That's what people are looking for. That's what will break down barriers. That is showing God's love to other people because no one else is doing this kind of stuff. No one is doing this kind of stuff. And, uh, and, and here's the thing. Why are people so confused here whenever that happens, right? That's the question. Why are people so confused? Why can they not believe that someone would do these things? And, it have, and it's every time, every person with me, I cannot believe you're doing these things. And here's what I think. Because they live in a world where they are treated like means to an end rather than being treated how God sees them as the end. People, are, people just feel like they're treated as just means to someone's end. You're using me for something. You want something from me. Like whatever it is that you want beyond this, I know that you're just trying to use me to get there. Rarely, if ever, are people in this city treated as the end. Like you are the reason that I'm doing these things. You, you are the person. Like I'm doing these nice things because you are the end of this. There's no beyond you. There's nothing else I'm trying to get. Like you are it. You are the get, right? And you see, God is most concerned about people. That's what his heart is. And so we should be as well and even establish the church as a means to show his love to people. Isn't that so cool? Like we have that responsibility. Like he wants to show love to other people. And so he said, I'm going to build a church and they're going to do it. They're going to be the ones that are going to go out and show my love to people, right? And here's the thing. Whenever you finally realize God's love for you and you put your faith and trust in Christ, it changes you. It did me. I told you I didn't care about people before. Whenever I finally put my faith and trust in Christ, I started to actually love people and it started to change me. And I started to look different from the rest of the world. Whenever everybody else cared about themselves, I started caring more about people than myself. And here's the thing, because God completely changed the focus and the thing that I valued most. No longer was the thing that I valued most myself, because that's what it used to be, right? But now it was changing. Now the thing that I valued most was God. Why? Because he saved me, and I'm just so overwhelmed by that, I can't get over it. And because he places within me a desire for people and to love people and to see them come to the same faith that I've come to. And so that's what he does for us in our hearts, right? And, and a few weeks ago, we talked about the wisdom of the world versus the wisdom of God and how they're kind of at odds. Like the wisdom of this world, they're trying to figure things out because they, and they have no direction. They have nothing to kind of lead them except for what they think is going to bring them happiness. And the wisdom of God is straight in scripture, right? We talked about how there's a, there's a contrasting difference there between the wisdom of God and the, and the wisdom of, of the world. But the wisdom of the world says that I need to be happy, right? That's, I mean, we were all there at some point in our lives. We were like, you know what's going to motivate me? I want to be happy, okay? So you want to be happy. And in order for me to be happy, I need to do X, Y, and Z. That's what we come up with in our minds. All right, if I'm going to be happy, what do I need to do? Okay, 
from my knowledge and from my experience and from what I see, all my perceived experience, all I need to do is X, Y, and Z. Okay, so then I'm gonna start focusing on that because I want to ultimately be led to happiness, right? And so those people around you either become an ally, right? Helping you get to that, or they become an obstacle, they become someone that's just in your way to getting there, or they become a waste of time, right? Picture that in New York City. That's exactly how people treat people here. You are either an ally to help you get to where you need to go, or you are an obstacle that you need to somehow avoid to get to where you think you need to be happy, or there is someone who is just there and, and they're just wasting your time. Like, don't talk to me. I've got things that I got to do. I've got, I've got things that I've got to get done to, in order to lead me to happiness, right? That's kind of how the general um, consensus is here. In other words, people are just a means, right? Like we talked about a second. But here's the, here's the, here's the ironic thing about that. Somewhere along the way, every single person in this city longs for someone to treat them not like they're a means to an end yet they refuse to treat other people like that. Everybody just wants to use people, but they don't want to be used. And that's a very ironic thing, a very interesting thing, right? You want people to know you, you want people to love you, you want people to, to know you at a, at a very, very in-depth level but yet you refuse to do that for other people. That's kind of the general world around us where we live, right? And the thing is, is that it leads, that's what I was talking about earlier, it leads to a city of just crowded loneliness. I mean, we got people, are, how in the world in a, in a city of 8 million do we have so many people that, are, that claim to be lonely? was because they, they won't go and they won't talk to other people. The mission team, it was so funny because they were, uh, I was, you know, asking them questions. What do you think about New York? You know, like, what are some things that you notice? Um, because whenever they showed up, right, they're from the South. And so whenever they showed up, they're walking down the sidewalks. It was so funny because as we were picking up trash, I was walking with um, a couple of them. And uh, every person that walked by, how y'all doing? How y'all doing? Hey, good morning. Morning. Right? And People that were just walking down the street were just like, what is happening? Like, who is that person? And, uh, and it was so funny because as one girl was walking by, he looked over and he was like, hey, good morning. And she was like, good morning. And she was like, where are you from? <laughs> just ask that question straight up because you guys know the culture here is so funny. Well, they said, you know, it boggles their minds that whenever they are in the subway that no one talks to each other. They're like, I don't understand it. There are so many people there that you could talk to, have a conversation with, but nobody really talks to each other. And, uh, and I was like, yeah, that's exactly right. Because honestly, whenever you're there on the subway, the person sitting next to you, they really don't want to be bothered by you. They really don't. They're kind of like, you know, you're here. I see you there, but I'm not going to waste my time. That's what I was talking about earlier. It's the people that just kind of waste your time. But here's something that's interesting. Whenever we gave away the coffee, uh, the person that came up to us at the cookout later um, that said, uh, wow, you guys were in, you know, uh, that was you guys in the subway earlier doing coffee. And uh, they were like, yeah, this is what they told them. They said, what you guys were doing was really strange. And, and I saw something happen that never happens. And they were like, what? And they said, everybody in the subway was talking about it. Like everybody that was in the subway cars, they were holding cups of coffee, right? 
And they were noticing, oh, we kind of all have the same, because again, we hit every entrance. So now imagine all of these people going down into the subway and they're all holding these cups. They've all received like free coffee. And then the people who rejected the coffee are going, oh man, everybody else did it. I should have done it too. And so they're there, you know, and they're like, they're, they're seeing all of this. And, and one person on the mission team looked at us and said, I think that might be one of the most significant things we've done is getting people in the sub subway to talk to each other. Because he, they said that they were just on the cars and they were all just talking about who are these people and what is this coffee that's going on? And see, it's trying to break that loneliness, but nobody, everybody refuses to break that loneliness, right? And here's the thing. The problem with man's wisdom is that everyone is too busy caring about themselves. I know I've been there before, right? But there is room for convenient kindness. You guys know what convenient kindness is? That's just the, that's just like, Hey, like, like yesterday I was walking on the street and there was a lady that um, was leaving one of the bodegas and she dropped her keys. Right. And so I just stopped her. She was walking off too. And I mean, it was a big old set of keychain. I was like, and I stopped her and I just said, Oh, excuse me. Like you dropped your keys. Right. Well, that's convenient kindness. I mean, I would hope somebody would do that for me, but here's the thing. There's little room in people's lives and they refuse to, to, to go the extra length to, to do inconvenient kindness. That's what people don't necessarily want to do. They don't want to show inconvenient kindness. And let's face it, inconvenient kindness is what makes us feel the most loved, right? Inconvenient kindness, and I'll just ask the married couples in the room for a second, right? Inconvenient kindness makes you feel the most loved. If it's convenient kindness, let's say that, you know, um, your spouse comes home and uh, they were like, yeah, I was uh, getting myself a drink at the bodega and I picked you one up too. Well, it's kind of like, okay, you know, thanks. But it means a lot more when it was like, yeah, I didn't really want anything, but I went ahead and stopped and I went ahead and got you something anyways because I know you love it, right? That makes us feel loved. That makes us feel valuable to other people. Not just inconvenient kindness. And now here's the thing. God has demonstrated for us the greatest act of inconvenient kindness ever by Christ dying for us, right? And it says it all in John 3, 16, you guys know the verse, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever will believe in him will not die, but have eternal life, right? And that's the love that he's shown us. And that's the love that, he's, that, that he helps us to see. But also it's no longer, he helps us to see that it's no longer us that matter anymore. Like whenever, whenever we understand that kind of love and we understand that inconvenient kindness, it's now, it's now other people. It's now, it now takes control of our lives and it helps us to see other people rather than just ourselves, right? And it's showing people that same kind of love that God has shown us. And, uh, and so no longer is it like about your job or getting your paycheck. It's now the people at your job. No longer is it about the people, you know, school and getting good grades. It's now the people at your school. And now it's no longer people are, are a means to an end. It's that people are the end. And that's what we are called to do um, as believers. And that's the type of people that we should be made up of as a church, right? When somebody looks at the church, they should see people um, that are completely loving, that love God. But that's the thing about this church. And that's the thing about this scripture right here. And the scripture is super short today. But the thing is, is that Paul's looking at them and he's saying, look, you guys are doing a terrible job of treating each other the way that you're supposed to treat one another. And that's being a terrible testimony to everyone else around you. And so specifically, he's going to talk about this right here, about what's going on in their church, about lawsuits against believers. So let's look at it for just a second. 
Um, in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, I'm going to read 1 through um, 8, but this is what he says, all right? He says, I'm going to read it from the NLT because I like how he words it here. He says, um, when one of you has a dispute with, one, with, with another believer, how dare you file a lawsuit and ask a secular court to decide the matter instead of taking it to other believers? Don't you realize that someday we believers will judge the world? And since you are going to judge the world, can't you decide even these little things among yourselves? Don't you realize that we will judge angels? So you should surely be able to resolve ordinary disputes in this life. If you have legal disputes about such matters, why go to outside judges who are not respected by the church? I'm saying this to shame you. Isn't there anyone in all the church who is wise enough to decide these issues? But instead, one believer sues another right in front of unbelievers. Even to have such lawsuits with one another is a defeat for you. Why not just accept the injustice and leave it at that? Why not let yourselves be cheated? Instead, you yourselves are the ones who do wrong and cheat even when you're, uh, even your fellow believers, right? So just looking at that just for a second, the main point, Paul, is like never in our wildest dreams should we be like, okay, let's look at how we should sue one another. Let's see what Paul says about how we should treat one another. And, how, and that's not the point of the scripture. And that's why we're not going to sit here and talk about, you know, how necessarily to settle disagreements among ourselves because that's not the point here. The point is the witness that they have to, to the people around them and how they're treating each other. They're like, first of all, you're not showing that God loves you. You're not showing that God loves other people because you're treating each other like trash and it's showing everyone around you that Christianity is just a big, huge mess. That's all he's saying to them right here. He's like, why in the world are you doing these things to each other, right? How are they treating each other? How they are treating each other is killing the church and it's hurting their witness in the community. So now there are, um, there are disputes uh, in the church, right? There, I mean, there's going to be. He's not, he's not saying they're going to be avoided. He says not if you have disputes. Uh, he's, or he, he's not saying, yeah, if he's saying when, right? So it's going to happen. Like you're going to have disputes in the church. Those things are going to happen. But how you treat each other about these, these disputes is going to either be a good, you're going to leave a good taste in people's mouths that are around you, or it's going to leave a very bad taste, right? So the whole point of this is how they're treating one another. So I want to look at something just for a second. I want to look at some scriptures that talk about how the church is to treat one another. So in Philippians chapter two, verses one through eight, I'm just going to read this for you guys. Because we have to understand how we're to treat one another. And he says uh, in Philippians 2, 1 through 8, Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition. That's all they were doing in Corinth is stuff out of selfish ambition. He's saying, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. That's what they were struggling with in a very, very big way. They were valuing themselves above everyone else in the entire church. And right here, he's saying, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others, all right? He's saying in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Now, what was Christ Jesus's mindset? He continues here and he says, who being in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be used 
to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. So if there was anyone that could be about themselves, it was Jesus because he was God. But Jesus chose himself to be a servant. And he's, and so basically, like the church at Corinth, without saying it, they're like, they're say, pretty much saying, I'm better than God. Like, I'm better than Jesus because I'm not going to make things about other people. I'm going to make things about myself. And that's what's causing all of these problems within them. That's what's causing all of these, fi- these fights that are going on within them. And in 1 John 3, 16 through 18, it says, this is how we know that, uh, know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need, but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. All right. The same is saying to love them in Ephesians 4, 2, be completely humble and gentle, be patient, bearing with one another in love, make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. How else should we treat each other? Ephesians 4.32, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. In 1 Thessalonians 5.11, therefore encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. Galatians 6.2, carry each other's burdens and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. And finally, Galatians 6.10, therefore as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people especially to those who belong to the family of believers. So what's the common thread in all of those verses? We as Christians are to place value on people above placing value on ourselves. And in doing so, we are mimicking Christ because that's what Christ does. We need to show value to every single one of us in this room, all right? We need to be treating each other with the utmost respect. And I need to be looking at you guys and saying, you are way more important than I am in my life. Why? Because it's important that we have a good testimony. It shows, first of all, that God loves us. It shows that we love God and it shows that we have, and it it makes sure that we have a good testimony to those people that are walking around and looking at us and staring at us and seeing all these things, right? Um, and, And so last week we talked about how to deal with issues, you know, in the church and things like that. That was a lot of fun, you know, talking about church discipline and everything. It's what you want to talk about. Um, but, uh, but we talked about how to handle things and what Jesus said on how to handle things. But, um, and so that's kind of what he's talking about, you know, in, in these first five verses, but in verse six through eight, I want you to hear that. Cause here's where the heart behind everything is in verse six through eight. He says, but instead one believer sues another and look what he says right in front of unbelievers. So you're doing this right in front of unbelievers. You're doing this right in front of all these people who have no idea about Jesus or what it's supposed to, what Christianity is supposed to look like. And he says, he says, even to have such lawsuits with one another is a defeat for you. So why not just accept the injustice and leave it at that? That's how important your testimony is. Why not let yourselves be cheated? Instead, you yourselves are the ones who do wrong and cheat even your fellow believers. He's saying, look at the damage you are doing, not only to yourselves, but to your testimony. And I'm going to read one more, one more verse to you guys that kind of sums this up. It says in Matthew chapter 5, verse 39 through 42, look at how Jesus says that we're supposed to treat one another. He says, you have heard that it was said an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, which is what they were doing in Corinth. 
you do that to me, I'm going to do it to you. He says, but I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. And if anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, hand over your coat as well. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. Give to the one who asks you and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. So here's the point of that scripture. And here's the point of the, of the scripture in 1 Corinthians, right? It's better to lose money or possessions or to be inconvenienced than to lose a brother or sister in Christ and to lose your testimony as well. That's the point of every single thing that he's saying. Is being right, is, being, is, is getting justice worth more to you than your brother or sister in the faith? And is it worth more to you than how the world sees Christ through you, right? So the thing is, in this whole, this whole entire section right here, and what our job as Hope Community is, is to figure out well, we need to self-examine. We need to make sure, we need to look inside of ourselves and we say, how am I representing Christ to the world? Specifically, how am I representing Christ to the world by how I treat those around me? Like how I treat the people in my church, how I treat others that even really aren't in the church. How am I representing Christ to those people around me? And that's something that we all, ha and, and here's the thing, I'll be super honest with you guys. There are some times that I do really well and there are some times that I do not. There are some times that I just absolutely blow it. And, and whenever I'm, you know, reading through this and I'm studying the scripture and everything, like I'm asking God, I'm like, God, I, I want you to continue to show me where it is that I'm not being a good witness to the people around me. Show me where I'm, where I'm falling short, please. Like you've got to show me because I want to make sure that I am representing you well. I want to make sure that I'm representing the gospel well, please. Please show me where it is that I'm falling short. And that's something that I think we all need to pray. We all need to be honest, um, you know, with the Lord, like before the Lord about and honest with ourselves about is, is how we're doing in those areas. Uh, because whenever you live in a world that um, cares about themselves, it's easy for that to infiltrate the church. It's easy for us to just all of a sudden care about ourselves. Um, and I find myself doing that every once in a while. And that's certainly what's going on at the church in Corinth right here is they've now, they just care about themselves. They don't care about anybody else. And, and Paul is almost embarrassed, right? Have you ever, I don't know if you guys have ever been, um, you know, like somewhere, maybe whenever you were a kid and, uh, maybe your parents dropped you off somewhere or something and they, and, the, and maybe they would say something like, now don't forget who you represent, right? whenever they, they mean themselves, like, don't forget that you represent us, right? You know, I wonder if, I wonder if Paul was, you know, a little bit embarrassed because of how they were representing the gospel. And, uh, and he looks at them and he's just like, man, this is embarrassing. Like you guys are suing each other. You guys are acting just completely foolish and you're doing it in front of a bunch of unbelievers. Like, why are you guys doing this? Why in the world are you treating each other like this? Because isn't, the, isn't it the gospel that matters the most? So he's continuing just to try to fix what's going on in the church and, and trying to call them out of what they're doing because it's become a habit for them. All of these things have just become a habit for them. And, uh, and it's cool because the way that God has set this whole thing up, like the church, it's a beautiful thing. And, and it works so harmoniously if we will just fight the urge inside of ourselves um, to love God and people more than ourselves. We have to fight that urge not to love ourselves more. Um, and so here's, here's what I want our take home to be today, uh, as, you know, as we kind of walk out of here. 
Um, as we've said, how you treat one another inside the church shows, you know, those outside of the church what you value the most. Um, and the church in Corinth, what they valued the most and what it was showing to everybody else is that they valued themselves. But so what I want us to do, and, and kind of what we do every time we kind of end service is just to spend a little time, you know, with God and, and just to kind of pray and just ask him, um, you know, just to be honest before him and just to ask him where it is that we can specifically do better is I think maybe it would be good for all of us as we kind of sit here is to ask ourselves and to just pray God and ask him, God, how well am I representing you? Like how well by how I treat those people around me, how well am I representing the gospel, right? And so what I want us to do just for a second, if you guys don't mind, is consider what we just talked about here in this scripture and how they were treating one another. And maybe we're not at each other's throats and maybe those, you know, those kinds of things aren't necessarily happening in our church, thank God. And if it ever does, man, we're, we're going to get rid of that. But there are areas that we fall short in representing the gospel and how we treat each other and how we treat those people around us, even our family members, right? And how we treat each other. Thank you for listening. For more information about our church, please visit our website at hopecommunitynyc.com.